Welcome to the Leadership Now podcast with Dr. Aaron Rock, lead pastor of Harvest Bible Church in Windsor, Ontario. On this show, we talk about the nuts and bolts of theology, church life, cultural issues, pastoral leadership, ethics, and other relevant matters that will help you lead better now. I'm your host, Chris Eelman, and today on the podcast, we're going to confront the coercion, the hypocrisy, and continued suspension of liberty in Canada. So time and again, Aaron, we've heard officials appeal to medical experts to justify their decisions. Why should this concern us when we tend to have a great deal of respect for medical experts? As do I. I have a lot of respect for medical experts. I have a lot of respect for people who have spent years studying any one subject. I have friends and family members who are in different aspects of the medical field. And I'm thankful for that. As I've said many, many, many times before, um, while my primary area of expertise is in theology, ministry, sort of cultural theology and ethics, I recognize that the situation we find ourselves in requires input from a broad variety of disciplines. So I have done my due diligence. I speak to people in the medical world. I speak to people in politics and law and, and so forth and so on. So I wouldn't want anyone listening to this episode to think that, you know, I have no respect for uh, medical people. But what we need to understand is when officials say we need to trust the experts, what they're actually referring to is a specific classification of experts, w what I would call the technocrats, which is a term for people who are non-elected governmental positions. So people that are paid by the government regionally or provincially or federally to be chief medical officers or this kind of thing. And while these people have medical degrees and expertise in epidemiology, et cetera, we need to understand human nature is such that they're concerned about their jobs, they're concerned about looking good, they're concerned about political liability, they are working at the bequest of elected officials and elected officials, you know, are always concerned about re-election and politics. So we, we need to understand while these people have many good things to say, they're not fully objective. And the proof of this is in this concerning uh, set of experiences or circumstances that have, have been uncovered whereby there's these gag orders effectively being placed on medical experts outside of the technocracy who ho hold alternative opinions. So let me give you a couple examples of this. Recently, the College of Physicians and Surgeons in Ontario, as they were concerned with various MDs speaking out against lockdowns, uh, some concerned about the rapidity of the vaccination programs, the age of vaccinated persons, et cetera. Uh, the College of, Ph of Physicians and Surgeons came out with this statement, and I'm just going to quote it here. I brought it along. Uh, they, they talk about that physicians have, quote, a professional responsibility to not communicate anti-vaccine, anti-masking, anti-distancing, and anti-lockdown statements and or promoting unsupported unproven treatments for COVID-19, end quote. Now, we, we're not going to comment on each of these issues, vaccines, masking, et cetera, but the idea that these issues 
cannot be challenged, and we'll talk about this later in the show, I hope, even though government officials have yet to provide provide peer-reviewed medical evidence from people without political liability to prove the efficacy of something as simple as masks, you know, non N95 cloth masks, for example, the efficacy against stopping virus viruses. Um, the idea that you would put gag orders on these people, even threaten them with tribunals or to have their credentials removed is deeply concerning. I mean, I, I hate to draw the analogy because it's almost like cult, a cultural faux pas to make any connection between what's happening now and what happened in Europe 75 years ago. But this idea of censoring a certain group of experts within a larger group of people that have expertise is very concerning. Mm -hmm. Now, on a lesser level, the nurses have experienced the same thing. So nurses are typically the ones that are you know, in the face of patients in the hospital, dealing with them on the stretchers, administering uh, up close and personal care. I mean, when you've been in hospitals, and I have many times, not so much myself, but with my wife or other people I visited, the doctor just kind of comes in and out, but the nurse is there a lot, right? So they're the ones that are kind of up close and personal to these patients. Well, we have the College of Nurses in Ontario, and this is what they're saying. Okay, I've, I've, I've brought this quote along as well. Quote, Nurses have a professional responsibility to not publicly communicate anti-vaccination, anti-masking, and anti-distancing statements that contradict the available scientific evidence. And I would just pause there and say, okay, where is that? I've not seen it yet. Okay, the quote goes on to say, doing so may result in an investigation by the CNO, the Church College of Nurses of Ontario, and disciplinary proceedings when warranted. Are you kidding me? These people have nursing degrees or medical degrees. Some of them are physicians and you're being treated like a child, being told by this nebulous body, this governing body that you can't question or speak out against the efficacy of masks. Give me a break. Uh, it's wrong uh, and it needs to stop and people need to speak out against that. So we have... Lots of censorship going on. We know that when alternative ideas are presented on social media, they're often scrubbed. You know, we've been part of the Liberty Coalition of Canada and some of the interviews and posts that have been put up by our director, Mike Thiessen, have been removed. We've seen that. Now, I, I understand people do put some crazy things on social media. But when you start censoring free speech because you think, well, we got we to protect people from error. Well, who decides what's truth and what's mm -hmm. untruth? Yep. Right? Yeah. We saw that last year Facebook was pulling off anything. This is in the U.S. specifically uh, that was speaking about the uh, possibility of the virus coming from a lab in China. Yeah. And then Facebook just a couple of weeks ago re change tune on that and now they're allowing those posts because the the narrative has changed yeah right? so it's it's like whatever the, the the mainstream media and the 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 top elected official wants to promote and no one else can speak out against it well this is a problem this is what happened to the you know the Hitler area uh, era of Germany again completely different circumstances I get it 
But you got this guy that takes on more and more and more power, and everyone just kind of bows down to it. So then I've noticed, Chris, that even in our region, and I think this is true probably in every region, you have very opinionated opinion column writers, for instance, in our local newspaper, that only promote the pro-vaccine, pro-lockdown narrative, never never challenge it or question it. When the local news radio station does their daily update on what's going on, it's always only the chief medical officer of health for our region that gets any airtime. God forbid that you would allow someone with an alternative viewpoint to weigh in, right? God forbid. And yet, historically in medicine, you know this this whole idea of getting a second opinion? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Do I need my heart? Do I need a heart transplant? Yes. Okay. Maybe I should get a second opinion on that. Mm-hmm. Nope. This is the idea with, with what's going on now. And the big rebuttal um, is, well, we're in a crisis. We have to set aside you know, sort of this collaborative approach. We have to censor. It's in a crisis. We're in a crisis. We're in a crisis. I would just say a couple points to that. In a crisis, more than ever, you need alternative viewpoints. Like, what are you afraid of? In a, in a crisis, you need alternative viewpoints. And if we're in such a crisis, why are we actually spending so much time targeting people who aren't part of the crisis? So if we're in an actual crisis, so let me use this analogy. Let's say there's a thousand soldiers that rush out onto a battlefield and a hundred of them get shot and killed and 200 of them get maimed and wounded. Um, You don't spend your time putting better helmets on the people that are fine, putting more flak jackets on the people that are fine, shooing them back into the trenches, um, giving them more bullets. You immediately rush to the wounded and the injured. You focus, if we're in a crisis, you focus your energy and your resources on helping the vulnerable or the sick. Like you pour all your money, all your time, all your attention on those that are actually truly vulnerable. You focus on the LTC issues. You focus on people with comorbidities. You focus on expanding your ICUs. You don't come up with all these gimmicks to try to coerce, threaten, and shame healthy people that chances are won't die from COVID-19, you know, to act in a way that's like lockstep with whatever the government narrative happens to be. So we do we do have grounds to be alarmists, to be concerned, um, and to speak out against what I would call is, you know, medical technocratic tyranny, which is which is really an apt description of the circumstances we're living under. And to that point, a year ago, the idea of like forced vaccinations was, was a conspiracy theory in many ways. And while they're yeah. not technically, we could, I could we could say in some some ways they're not technically forced today yet. Can you speak to the issue of the coercive nature of vaccination? Well, when we think of force, we think of like someone leading you away and. Um, you know, the ball and chain or handcuffs or whatever and, you know, strapping you to a gurney and injecting you. That's that's not happening. I mean, God forbid that would never happen, but who knows? That's not what's happening. But when you say, okay, um, 
if you're going to get the vaccination, we're going to give you incentives for starters. So we've seen we've seen various um, incentives given from ice cream cones to lotteries where you can apply for a two million dollar scholarship, et cetera. Yeah, you got to convince the population into getting it. And in those cases with ice cream cones and scholarships, you're focusing on people that for all intents and purposes have a, have about a 0% chance of dying from COVID. The, the young and healthy, hmm. I know there's exceptions, but the young and healthy children, typically you're not going to, you don't have to worry about that. I mean, you can have exceptions to the rule, but it's, that's not the, that's not what's filling up our, our ICUs during, uh, you know, certain seasons of the year. Um, so, but when you're saying to people, okay, um, you know, if you want to travel, you want to visit grandma, you want to travel interprovincially, increasingly we have employers that are strong arming. Mm-hmm. We're hearing this anecdotally strong arming, even in, in Leamington, uh, just outside of Windsor here, greenhouse owners putting a lot of pressure on their, uh, labor staff to be vaccinated peer this kind of peer pressure and state pressure is bordering on forcible vaccinations but more accurately it's it's heavy coercion it's coercion right so people need to understand what they're getting themselves into i've had family members and friends even in our church that have chosen to get the vaccine okay that's up to them more power to you but as we've said before, know that they're authorized, not yet approved by the FDA south of the border. One interesting phenomenon, which I heard a medical physician bring up is, you know, when you're watching television and there's a new uh, medication that comes out and, and typically it's like a bunch of people having fun and it's great photography and they're running through the park or whatever and they're kind of sell you on this new, you know, whatever arthritis medicine or antidepressant medicine and on and on and on. And it's, you know, well done. And the person is speaking to you the same as I'm speaking to you now, but then they speed it really fast. They start giving you all the checks and balances and all the pluses and minuses and all the warnings and on and on and on and on and on. And you can't even hardly hear, right? That's required. You can't give someone a medical, uh, substance and not warn them of the side effects. So it's interesting when you look at all the money the government of Ontario is spending on the COVID vaccine, do you see any of that? Do you see any of the might cause blood clots, might cause heart attacks, might affect this, might affect that? You don't hear any of that. Mm-hmm. It's completely irresponsible because there are side effects. doesn't mean that the side effects don't make taking the vaccine worth it. It's up to you. You need to make that decision. But this is another example of coercion. Mm-hmm. Conveniently, we're, for every other medical substance administered, when you inject synthetic biological items into someone else, you're like, hey, man, you need to know the following side effects. There's always an incredibly long list. But now we have this miracle vaccine where the way it's being presented is it's just all good. We'll give you an ice cream cone. If you take it, it's, it's actually, if you think about it, it's borderline laughable and absurd. It's like something out of Saturday night live or something like that. Um, when people are going in to take these 
experimental vaccines, are they signing off on documentation, acknowledging they're taking an experimental vaccine that's not, it's authorized but not fully approved? These are questions to ask. And then we also just, and, and again, what I'm doing is I'm, I'm raising suspicions and rightly so. People are like, well, you don't trust the government. Actually, no, I don't. Mm-hmm. I believe in human sinfulness. I, I think that there's a lot of good going on. I think there's some benevolence there. But I'm thoroughly disgusted at the imbalance in all of this and their response. And I don't need to hypothesize about what they might or might not be doing. I, I can just look at the facts in front of me. And it's deeply concerning. So CNN, which is not exactly my favorite news source, um, they had an article this week that pointed out that the sale of these vaccines have created nine new pharma billionaires. Mm-hmm. So the CEOs of these companies are making money hand over fist. Again, do we not have do we have such a reductionistic view of human nature that we're just going to trust people we've never met? to tell us the, the truth, the full truth, and nothing but the truth when they have zero liability. Mm-hmm. They're, they're free from liability. They're making billions of dollars. So let's say, you know, it's you and me, and we're running our own pharma company. Well, thank God for pharma companies. They've been helpful in many respects. But if you and I, if I'm trying, so let's say I'm, I'm the guy trying to sell you the product. I'm like, Chris, you got to have this. You got to have this. You got to have this. But you know behind the scenes that I'm I'm making an absolute killing at pardon the pun there by the way <laughs> an yeah. absolute killing at selling these vaccination products which are experimental in nature mm-hmm. which haven't been fully tested we don't know the long term implications of them uh, and I'm making an absolute killing off this it should at least cause me to to question motive. Mm-hmm. And how much truth that I'm, you know, being told as opposed to maybe half truths or maybe flat out lies. We need to question, question, question what we are being presented with because the implications are potentially catastrophic. Yeah. So it reminds me of even uh, going to buy a car. And if you know what the car salesman is selling on commission, you all of a sudden do your homework a little bit more. And sometimes they advertise that they're not selling based on commission and then you are inclined to trust them to make the decision for you or help you make a decision better um, based on that. But it's like the merit of the vaccine on its own Mm -hmm. versus the coercion that goes with it, right? Well, I had a a buddy years ago and he lost his license to sell cars because he was was cheating, right? So there's liability. If you don't follow the rules, there's liability. You're going to lose your license to sell cars. There's a certain... You know, ethic. You have certain ethical responsibilities, but let's say there's there's no there's no penalty. What's what's the 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 downside for you if you're a big pharma executive? There is none. Mm-hmm. You have a global population at your disposal. Um, you're going to invest money in advertising and marketing. It's never going to come back on you. Right. So again, let, let's just suppose for a moment that the vaccine was awesome, just absolutely incredible, almost error-free. 
Um, let's suppose, suppose for a moment that was true, but the people selling it are responsible for the marketing. The people selling it have the ear of the politicians who are desperate to be reelected and recognized in history as having rescued the world. There's still a conflict of interest there. Mm -hmm. There's still a conflict of interest. And especially when, you know, f physicians and nurses, the, kind of the frontline workers are being told, sit down and shut up. You cannot speak out against anti-vaccines. Like, this is a recipe for disaster. Mm -hmm. This is a totalitarian um, response. But it seems like people are in a trance right now. And they're fearful. They're overly trusting. They're not good thinkers. And they're just kind of buying the narrative. So let's not just go around making stuff up. You know, if you're if you're the kind of person that's sort of with me and you're opposed to what's going on, yeah, be, yeah, be careful. Don't put out crazy stuff that's not validated and believe everything that you're told. But just look look at the cultural patterns of behavior that are going on here and compare them to historical circumstances like what took place in Germany or under different totalitarian regimes. Every dictator. Every totalitarian regime that's ever walked the face of the earth, if they didn't win the um, response of the populace by a sword, they did it because they had some great reason. They, they, they presented themselves as the Messiah. They had some great reason they were going to fix, fix your life from being ruled by the czars or whatever it might be. But at the end, it all turned out to be a disaster. So it is time for Canadians to wake up and, and, and challenge the narrative a little bit more than they have been. Mm-hmm. Now we can talk about hypocrisy and even the hypocrisy in those statements by the College of Physicians and Surgeons of Ontario, where they say, you know, you're not allowed to communicate these unproven treatments for COVID, but you're allowed to communicate, obviously, the unproven treatments for COVID yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that are the narrative that goes with the narrative. Yes. But there's other examples. And I think months ago, you published an article on the hypocrisy that we've seen in officials everywhere. And that doesn't seem to be going anywhere. Mm -hmm. So how are we seeing that hypocrisy in our officials even this month? Yeah, well, hypocrisy is a sin. And unfortunately, there's a lot of pastors out there more likely to get their, you know, use up their ink and paper chastising guys like me or trying to keep their churches open for, you know, being a bad testimony. And they are to chastise government officials who are actually sinning through their hypocrisy and their lies. So... Last year there, the, especially coming to the end of 2020, I mean, there was a story in the paper, it seemed like every other day, of some official that had flown to some location secretly or violated the rules or went to the cottage or whatever it might be. Well, it just continues to go on and on and on. So I've been charged twice for opening my church under the uh, premise that I violated the Reopening Ontario Act and you know had a gathering larger than the the allowable number. Of ten, well, last June, uh, well, well before I was ever charged, mm -hmm. our mayor and our chief of police broke that "quote unquote" law by attending the Black Lives Matter rally here in Windsor, Ontario, and even speaking at them. Mm -hmm. And I called him out on that. Well, and I, I'm not speaking to the to the uh, rightfulness of rallies to happen or not. I think. You know, I, I'm personally in favor of rallies and protests. I don't necessarily support every cause, but I'm in favor of free speech and et cetera. And 
they still charge me under the same act they broke. The people that actually broke the law months before I did charge me under the same act. That's just a fact. Mm -hmm. So fast forward, you think, well, maybe they've learned their lesson. Maybe they weren't thinking. Well, we had this horrible event take place in London, Ontario, a couple hours down the road from us. And um, a young man, 20 years old, ran over a family of five people and killed four of them. So how, how can any person not be disturbed by that? It's, it's a disturbing event. I, I think that should be mourned and the circumstances should be explored and justice needs to be served. So if that includes a public vigil in London, Windsor, Toronto, I'm in favor of that. I, and, and I want to be very clear because sometimes when you're speaking factually, folks that are listening that tend to be more emotive, they, they stop listening and they just start like feeling mm -hmm. and they may not hear what you're actually saying. So let me say this in the clearest possible terms that I can. I am supportive of the vigil. I am deeply disturbed by what happened in London, Ontario. And if this individual deliberately ran these people over, and it appears that he did, but I'm not the judge and jury, deliberately, and even if he was motivated by hatred for people with a different skin color, different culture, different faith, that's disgusting. And I will denounce that in the strongest possible way. But that aside, in order to have that vigil, you have to break the law. You have to break the Reopening Ontario Act. And so just looking at it objectively, let's just, let's just say you're in a court of law. Person A is charged for violating this act. Person B should also be charged if they break that act. That's not what's happening. Our premier, who's responsible for this act, breaks his own law by attending and speaking at a vigil in London. The, the prime minister broke the law last year in Ontario, the province of Ontario, by attending the BLM rally and did the same this week in London. Our mayor this in Windsor, the same person that broke the law last June, June 2020, breaks the law in June 2021 by speaking at this event here in Windsor. This is hypocrisy and it needs to be denounced. So let me just make this one comment. I was speaking to my lawyer and I said, look, from a legal perspective, isn't this sort of a slam dunk for everyone that's been charged for attending protests or opening their churches or whatever? Isn't this a slam dunk? I mean, you have the officials breaking the law with immunity. Couldn't you just walk into a court of law and say, this is the situation my client was charged under. This is the situation where the, the officials broke the law. Same thing. You could do the same thing in Edmonton or Alberta where Jason Kennedy Kenny is you know, complicit in the closure of grace life. And then he's caught in a balcony, you know, whining and dining with his buddies without the masks and social distancing and all that. Wouldn't this be a slam dunk? She says, well, you'd think so. But when I go to court, you know what they say? You're basically playing schoolyard politics. In other words, you're just being immature. I'm like, are you kidding me? This is the state of the legal system in our country. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like if, if, if it's like the law is the law, Mr. Rock, well then apply it equally and fairly. Go ahead and charge me and charge Doug Ford 
and charge the chief of police and charge the mayor and charge the prime minister. So this is hypocrisy. It's double standards. It's unfair. It's dirty pool. So in my article last fall there, I think it was, my conclusion is that there's, there's basically two, two reasons why people fall into the trap of hypocrisy. They're either evil people, which I'm not prepared to say is the case of the officials that have broken these rules, or they don't actually believe the narrative. Mm-hmm. It's a narrative that works for us. It's necessary to protect the population, but they don't really believe the narrative. If you actually believe the large gatherings of people are going to result in mass deaths, you're not going to attend a vigil to commemorate the lives of four people and put hundreds and hundreds of people's lives at risk. You're not going to do that. But what they do is they they weigh, they weigh it, right? They're like, okay, yep. people aren't going to die from this. And this is going to score me political brownie points. It's going to make me look compassionate. But what bothers me is I'm, I'm a pastor, so it's my job to be with the bereaved and the hurting. I'm not allowed to be half mm-hmm. the time. So I'm, I'm supposed to stay home to stay safe. I'm a bad example. I'm a cult leader if I open my church. I'm a nut job if I open my church. People throw nails in my parking lot if I open my church. Oh, but if Pastor Ford or Pastor Trudeau or Pastor Kenny or Pastor Dilkins does it. See, these people are actually knowingly or unknowingly donning the mantle of prophet, priest, and king of culture and of the citizenry. So we keep, they're not even aware of that. I don't think they're, they're thinking clearly enough to see that. But this, this is one of the problems. And, and you know, I could speak to the fact that ultimately, the, just as a sidebar, these issues of injustice are gospel issues. Mm-hmm. Okay, the, the, the longer churches stay closed and impotent and uninvolved, the more, the more we're actually going to see pathetic people running others over, et cetera. Mm-hmm. That's pretty heavy to uh, even think about and a definite call to action. Um, Kind of on a similar point, there seems to be a a reluctance by officials to provide medical evidence for their tests, their protocols, the vaccine rollout, et cetera. Um, There seems to be just a, we'll do it. We don't need to provide evidence. Can you speak to that kind of strange phenomenon that we're seeing? Well, I was listening to an interview that the Liberty Coalition did with Dr. McCullough. He's a Texan MD. His wife's actually from Canada. He's got family here and he's a pretty knowledgeable guy. And he was just pointing out some things that, you know, should should concern us. Um, one would be that all the testing, you know, the swabs of the nose and all that kind of thing. They're, they've not yet been approved by any regulatory agency but they're being used as the basis for determining case numbers and and responses. If that's true, and I believe it to be true, that needs to be corrected or at least challenged in the public narrative. Uh, In James Coates' case out in Alberta, you know, he essentially, um, the the courts essentially said, now we haven't broken your constitutional rights, charter freedoms by, locking your church down by confiscating your property, et cetera. And when the lawyers that were working on behalf of the province of Alberta were asked to provide medical evidence, which they've now had, what, 15 months? 
working 40 hours a week, hundreds, hundreds of people to secure. Uh, their response is, no, we don't have it. We're not prepared to require or uh, pr present it. Mm -hmm. So it's like, come on. Mm -hmm. Like, how long do we have to wait for this till it's all said and done? Mm -hmm. So you're going to suspend rights. It's not two weeks anymore. It's been months and months and months and months. Mm -hmm. And you have more money than you could po possibly shake a stick at at your disposal. Massive staff, all kinds of experts at your disposal. And you can't provide any medical evidence mm -hmm. to justify that open churches lead to mass casualties, that lockdowns stop the transmission of the virus, that masks stop the transmission of the virus, et cetera. How long are we going to bow down to these demigods who rule us with an iron fist, literally with an iron fist, but who are completely unaccountable to justify their behavior? And again, I mentioned this earlier. You have these people that are medical experts resorting to these childish Saturday Night Live type coercive techniques. Hey, little John, you want an ice cream cone in exchange for a vaccine? Like, are you kidding me? Is this the twilight zone? Mm -hmm. uh, we have people being offered money, the potential of winning money in a lottery to take a vaccine. Like what on earth? How about you just provide me with the medical evidence and let me as a thoughtful person read it and digest it and make a decision. Mm -hmm. Instead of spending $2 million on a lottery, spend $2 million to get a couple arm's length scientists to put an article together. Mm-hmm. And demonstrate to us that these protocols work. Mm -hmm. So this stuff is 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 absurd. And I mean, I, I'm not super hopeful, but I I, I kind of do hope that the time will come when we'll look back and think, man, like, what did we just participate in here? Uh, and hold people to account. Get them out of office. Fire them. Or at least get them to repent for the irresponsible decisions that they have made. So did you also hear about these vaccine cards in, no. uh, in Manitoba? So Manitoba is also rolling out um, these vaccine cards. So remember the whole idea of uh, vaccination passports. Yep. Oh, no, that's conspiratorial, right? Um, so we talked earlier about forced vaccines or coerced vaccines, but vaccine passports. Oh, no, no, not, not in Canada. You know, not like... That's like the that that was from the like, like the 1940s, the yellow star or something like that. Now people have little cards that demonstrate their vaccination schedules. Those have been around for a long, long time. But we're actually talking about cards that have a digital component to them that basically have your medical information on it, your vaccinations and stuff that are that are going to be used minimally to allow you entry into vulnerable contacts and traveling, maybe interprovincial travel. This is being rolled out in, in Manitoba as temporary, you know, temporary, right? Mm -hmm. Kind of like income tax was temporary or two weeks to flatten the curve was temporary. <laughs> um, these are temporary digital vaccine cards. So think about this. And again, people are going to be like, well, that makes sense. We can't you know, we can't allow the spread of the virus, okay? So this is a pragmatic approach, not right. a principled approach based yep. in history or law. The, the response is going to be, well, we have to have it. No, we don't have to have it. We don't have to have it at all. It's not necessary to prove vaccinations for people to travel. We're biological people. People carry viruses all over the place. If the vaccine works and most are vaccinated, what do we have to worry about? 
Mm-hmm. Um, but it's control, right? It's it's about liability. Yeah. It's about the politicians looking good. It's about the politicians crossing every T and dotting every I at your expense, mm-hmm. taking your freedoms and liberties, because they they know they know what's best for you, Chris. Mm-hmm. They're taking all the freedoms and liberties away. And what I'm imagining is that these cards are going to probably sweep across the country and congregate settings and other sorts of things. You're going to require these to enter. By the way, you and I have been pastors long enough to know this. If if church if there are not churches in Canada that don't start requiring proof of vaccination to enter Christian worship, I will be shocked. I'm assuming it. Yep. As nutty as it seems, people will be required in some churches to provide their digital vaccine cards or vaccine cards to to enter Christian worship. This will be added to the prerequisites of Christian worship and ministry. Yeah, we're like I've already heard one firsthand story of somebody that's on staff at a church that's been said if they don't get the vaccine, they're not staying on staff. Wow. And I'm like, that's ridiculous. Wow. <laughs> so it's 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 coercion right within the church. Should right? ask the church, could you uh sign a liability form guaranteeing that I won't have any side effects, guaranteeing that I won't um you know, have any medical problems as a result of this, that it will actually work, that I'll never catch COVID. They won't do that because they, they want you to, they want to saddle you with all the responsibility and the liability mm-hmm. and tell you what to do. And it's, it's, it's all about self-protection. So this is the first time I've heard that, but whoever this pastor, this board is, it's all about self-protection. It's not about a principled approach. It's not, and, and Christian people of all people are supposed to be principled, right? We even lay down our lives for the cause of the gospel, which makes no sense from a physical perspective. We do it because it's, in principle, it's right to lay down your life for the cause of the gospel. And we also believe in resurrection hope. So we do a lot of things. We give our money away on the principle that this is honoring to the Lord. We we, we tithe our money away. We give alms to the poor, from a, an accounting perspective, they might say, well, no, you should keep your money. No, we give it away on principle, right? We abstain from sexual immorality on principle, even though some people might argue, well, you're, you're ripping yourself off of the pleasures of the world. We function on principle. We, we look long-term. We think about the future. We were driven by biblical ide- ideas and ideologies, right? But in this case, that's all gone out the window, and it's all about, oh, um, you know, is our insurance company going to cancel on us? Or... What are people going to think or what's it going to look like if I'm a pastor and someone dies in my church of COVID, right? It's about liability and it's not principled and it's, and it's actually in that respect immoral. So you can mark my words, mark down the date on your phone, whatever date you heard this podcast. Um, my prediction, I'm not a prophet, but my prediction is that we're going to start to see Christian ministries and Christian churches also acting coercively, they already kind of are, um, by not only just doing things that are wrong, like not honoring mask exemptions, which mm-hmm. by law you're supposed to, but also putting a ton of pressure on people, on staff, on nursery workers. And they're going to use all the arguments, the stock, well, you agree to have fire extinguishers in your church. Well, you agree to have a plan to protect in your church. So why not vaccinate people? This is, aren't you pro-life? Mm-hmm. All these kinds of things. And it's all founded on 
uh, everything from fairy tales to half information to a lack of information to fear to coercion to a secular mindset that denies a bodily resurrection. There's a whole bunch of cultural issues coming into play on this. Mm-hmm. Any any uh, final comments as you uh, wrap up today's episode? Well, I think there's some good news in that when I I've had a couple incidents just just this week. So what are we? We're at Thursday. So this is all stuff that's happened since uh, Monday, where I was talking to two professionals, um, just about some some private matters. Uh, one was uh, a lawyer. One was um, an insurance executive, and uh, so professionals in their their fields of study. Um, I, I was not talking to them about my issues in particular, but. Um, it came up in both conversations when I was just dealing with some business, private business transactions. And both of them were like, hey, man, in, in their own words, like we 100% support what you're doing and a huge section of the population does. Like way to go, way to be principled kind of thing. This is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm hearing this from cops all the time, you know, apologetic for what's going on, um, you know, neighbors, et cetera. I, I wish more people would say that publicly <laughs> because mm-hmm. the silence of folks that are sick and tired of this kind of stuff is is a little bit deafening. But I have this sense that and, and it's hard to it's hard to like gauge, but I have a sense that may I might even go as far as to say a silent majority are fed up, are sick and tired, and no longer believe the cultural narrative. But we have a very vocal minority. Uh, that driven by fear, driven by godless ideologies, driven by concerns about liability, given driven by the worship of science, driven by a hatred of the Christian church are driving the narrative. And the mayors, the chiefs of police, the premiers are listening to these people and they have this th- sense that everybody in the population thinks this is wonderful. I don't I don't believe that at all. So to those of you that are in what I think is probably the silent majority, a couple of things I would ask of you, speak out, speak out. Do not permit yourself to be coerced. So when it comes to vaccinations, if, if someone is trying to coerce you into being vaccinated and you feel comfortable and you've done your research and you consent to being vaccinated, more power to you. If you don't feel comfortable taking an experimental vaccine, if you don't feel right about that, tell them to buzz off. Mm-hmm. Like push back. Uh, because if you don't, the decisions that you make today will form a precedent for decisions you make in the future. And this is sort of like a mark of the beast. When we bow to a system against our will, against our virtues, against our values, we bow to a system. We allow ourselves to be manipulated and coerced and tracked and traced and told exactly what to do, who we can be with, who we can hug, who we can cry with or mourn with, how we can spend our money, um, what we have to stick in our bodies or not. These kinds of things are wrong. They're wrong, folks, and we need to resist them. So don't be weak-willed. Don't be scared. Um, Don't be fearful. Speak out and say no. And the first 
10% or so that speak out are going to be the ones, just like if you rush across a battlefield, the soldiers at the front are going to get shot first. But the more people speak out, the the less effective the enemy is going to be and uh, the higher their survival rate is going to be. So we need to kind of approach this starting today as an army. Enough's enough. We're not putting up with this garbage any longer. We're going to call out um, fake medical practices. We're going to demand peer-reviewed medical articles for anything and everything that is being demanded of us. We're not going to demand it for things that are optional, but we're going to demand it for things that are being uh, demanded of us. We are going to call it the hypocrisy of officials. We are going to demand that people from uh, the nursing profession, the medical profession, are free and clear to say what they want, wherever they want, however they want, about their concerns about these issues. We will not be muzzled. We will not bow down to the to the free speech police, the censorship police. Uh, we are a free country. We're a free people. And we will act freely and with liberty. And if there are those who freely choose to stay home and to stay fearful and afraid, I feel bad for you, but you do that. The rest of us are moving on. We're living our lives as best as we can. Uh, we're going to be conscientious within reasonable limits. Um to our how our decisions affect others. Okay, we're going to love our neighbor in that respect. But we're not going to buy into the lie that you can reduce the risk of living down to, you know, zero uh, zero risk. We're going to uh, be be balanced in this. And we 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 denounce governmental coercion and double standards um, in no uncertain terms. Well, that wraps up our discussion for today. Thank you, Aaron, for uh, your thoughts and comments. And thanks to each of you who have tuned in. If you've enjoyed the conversation, make sure to subscribe and to share this podcast, rate it and uh, get it out there on social media. And make sure as well to tune in next week to another episode of Leadership Now with Dr. Aaron Rock. Mm -hmm.